Chrysler is an iconic company, uh, and what happens and how this is resolved will have broad precedent, not simply at General Motors, but at auto suppliers and perhaps at other industries as well. Hello and welcome to Planet Money. I'm David Kestenbaum in Washington, D.C. And I'm Hannah Jaffe-Walt in Seattle. Today is Wednesday, June 10th. That was professor and auto labor specialist at the University of California, Berkeley, Harley Shaken. You heard there at the top of the podcast. Coming up today, we have uh, part two of what has become a sort of mini-series we're doing here, Clown versus Mall. But first, I've got an indicator for you, David. 500,000. That's 500,000 new jobs or the hope of new jobs in South Africa. South Africa, Hana, that is where your family is from. It's true. And uh, my aunts and uncles, they were there watching as the new President Jacob Zuma gave his first State of the Nation address last week. And uh, David, here's how it went. It was economy, economy, economy. Oh, and the World Cup. Did he really talk about the World Cup? He did. Yeah. Oh, sure. World it's Cup be there, next right? year, yeah. Yeah. 2010. Um, No, but Jacob Zuma, he did talk about some other things with this job initiatives. It was really central. He wants to create half a million new jobs in South Africa before December. I have to say, having been to South Africa, it looks like they could use more than a half million new jobs. But that that does seem pretty ambitious. Right. right. Well, President Zuma has to be talking about jobs, as you noticed. South Africa is facing its worst recession in 17 years. And that's loaded because 17 years ago, the country was still under the apartheid system. So there's always this then and now comparison in South Africa. There's a lot of frustration that 15 years after the first democratic election, 40% of South Africans still live in poverty. That sounds like a tough gig. Yeah, people really want Zuma and his party to deliver. And, and speaking of tough gigs, how would you like to be one of the people running General Motors? General Motors, we all know, recently entered Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Though the company has been trying to be optimistic, and maybe you've heard this advertisement. GM is not going out of business. GM is getting down to business. Because the only chapter we're focused on is Chapter 1. So to find out what it actually is like to be running General Motors, Adam Davidson talked to Ray Young, the chief financial officer of General Motors. Ray Young told Adam that the job is definitely challenging, but it is also exciting. I don't get much sleep nowadays, but as I indicated to some folks on June 1st, when we actually had to file for Chapter 11 protection, I actually told uh, a lot of the journalists that I felt invigorated. Uh, It seems bizarre that you have to file for Chapter 11, but I felt invigorated because I clearly see the light at the end of the tunnel for this company. Uh, I clearly see that this, using the bankruptcy process, is actually a great tool in order for us to shed a lot of the liabilities of the past so that we can be viable in the future. And I've actually heard you say the new company, and other people refer to the new company, is that the way to think of this, that when this process ends, I think your hope is 60 to 90 days, right, that this new company will come into being? I mean, is it a new company? It has new ownership, new leadership, new new board, or is it just a smaller version of the old company? No, what is interesting, and frankly, when I took on this job, I knew absolutely zero about bankruptcy. 
I suspect a lot of people when they hear the word bankruptcy, it's quite intimidating. And for me, it was quite intimidating when I first started learning about what bankruptcy is and what bankruptcy is not. But what what's going to happen with General Motors is we will effectively split the company up into two companies. There will be what is called the uh, new General Motors, and there will be let's say the old General Motors. And through the court process that we're going to go through over the next thirty days. We're actually seeking approval from the bankruptcy courts to allow the new General Motors to purchase all the healthy assets from old General Motors, so that the new General Motors can operate uh, effectively in August with the best assets and also executing a plan whereby the cost comes down even further. Uh, a plan that will allow us to launch all these great products that we have in our pipeline, and also emerge with what they call a balance sheet, which has a very, very low level of liabilities or debt. So it, <laughs> I always make the comment: this is actually a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity for us to create a new company. Why did your old boss Rick Wagner fight bankruptcy so long? It, it, uh, right up until the day he was fired, it, it seems like he should have jumped at the chance. Even for myself, when I start studying the concept of bankruptcy, it, it is very, very intimidating. Uh, there are a lot of risks associated with bankruptcy, and frankly speaking, if we had decided to file for bankruptcy either late in two thousand eight or early two thousand nine, we would have failed. I, I'm absolutely convinced that. Our company would never have emerged from bankruptcy. What what has happened over the past five six months is one, we've become a lot more intelligent about the concept of bankruptcy. Two, we've done a lot of planning. In order to prepare for a bankruptcy, you need time. You, you need to plan. You need to anticipate issues. We were able to effectively do a lot of that over the past five to six months. Working with, well, I think some of the best uh, lawyers and best advisors in the country in bankruptcy, and then thirdly, and most importantly, we have a government who is very, very supportive to help us go through the process. And the previous uh, get, administration wasn't as supportive. Well, they no. I think the issue is they weren't prepared. Uh, you need preparation both from the perspective of the company, and you need preparation from both the perspective of the sponsoring. Acquire of the of the of the assets of the old company. So from from our perspective, um, but the fact that the the task force, the automotive task force, uh, worked with us since the appointment on February seventeenth, um, that has been a tremendous asset for us to kind of work through all the details. So after we've concluded, you know, trying to do everything possible, at least at that juncture, we were prepared to go down really. The last alternative, which is bankruptcy. You can hear more from our interview with Ray Young on the blog npr.org/money. We posted answers to your Twitter questions there. Uh, Young even tackled one many of you have been asking us: How does closing dealerships help General Motors? And I have to say, it makes me feel better that even General Motors' chief financial officer felt unprepared for bankruptcy. Because to be honest. 
I've really gotten lost in a lot of the details. I've been reading all the stories in the paper, but you know, negotiations with bondholders, with the unions, you got the pension plans, there are these votes, you sell some parts, you keep others, the new owners. <laughs> I, mean, I, I really so, tried. Okay, well, today, put all that aside, we're going to try to understand the wild and crazy rules of bankruptcy court by looking at a different bankruptcy. We're going to look at it from the perspective of one person who is owed money, actually one clown who is owed money. Her name is Mandy Dalton. We had her on the podcast a while back. She did a clown show at a mall outside of Baltimore. She was supposed to get paid 200 bucks, but the mall owner filed for bankruptcy. And this was not just any mall owner. This is actually the second largest mall owner, I think you can say, in the world. General Growth Properties, they're basically a victim of the credit crisis. They borrowed a bunch of money to buy some malls and expand, but then they couldn't extend the loans and refinance them. And in normal times, that would not have been a problem, but these are not normal times. So anyway, GGP had to file for bankruptcy, and it owes some big banks billions of dollars. And caught up in all this is Mandy Dalton, the clown. So we got Mandy on the line. Hello. With a bankruptcy lawyer, Jay Strock. Hi, Mandy. How are you? Very good. Let me tell you that if Jay talks a little haltingly in this interview, it's because we had some audio problems that we tried but couldn't fix. I have my earpiece jacked up pretty high. Oh, you have yours turned up high, too. So if anybody talks in a normal voice, I'll probably start bleeding at the ear. <laughs> All right. So Jay is a lawyer with Womble, Carlisle, Sandridge, and Rice in Delaware. And we have to read some small print here. Jay is not actually offering legal advice. Yeah, but you get a lawyer on the phone. Mandy told Jay she had just gotten all this confusing paperwork about a bankruptcy creditors meeting in New York. Here's basically what she wanted to know. They owe me $200. Would there even be any hope of my seeing some or all of that? There, there's always hope. All right, he did. He didn't actually sound so hopeful at this point of the interview. Um, and the reason is that there are rules governing where you stand in line to get paid or to have a say in what happens to the company. And she does not have a, a very good place. She is what is called an unsecured creditor. So in front of her are all the banks that made what are called secured loans, meaning that if they don't get their money back, they have the right to take over a, a mall or something. If Mandy doesn't get her $200, there's nothing in her contract that says she has the right to seize anything. So Mandy is what they call an unsecured creditor. And she's basically where the auto workers' benefit plans are with the Chrysler bankruptcy. You know, Generally, unsecured creditors get a, uh, a small distribution on their claims. Meaning like pennies on the dollar or something? Yeah, 5 to 10% isn't unheard of. So why does Mandy sort of get the short end of the stick here? I mean, why do electricity bills get paid before the clown? What's wrong with clowns? Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you go get them, David. (laughs) Utility providers are afforded special protection under the bankruptcy code. And part of the rationale of that is you can't continue operating malls if uh, the electricity and the water are shut down. Oh, I see. Mandy, what do you think about that? Well, it kind of gets under the clown's skin here a little bit, <laughs> to, to be honest with you. Um, having had my own problems with utilities in the past, because organizations like General Growth Properties decide to stick it to me, <laughs> I, can, I can see that. I, you know, I, I mean, it is really hard to conduct business if you can't turn on the lights or have running water. Hannah, so you get a bit of the sense for the priorities here. In a bankruptcy like this, this is a Chapter 11. So 
general growth properties is trying to work out some deal with all the people it owes money to so it can emerge from bankruptcy. And the number one priority is to keep the malls open during this process. So the idea in a restructuring is that the company is worth more alive than it is dead. And not just to Mandy, but also also like to, to everybody, to the economy as a whole. That's part of the philosophy and logic behind our bankruptcy system. So the idea is that overall, a general growth properties that emerges from bankruptcy is going to be better for the economy as a whole and going to be better for America than it would be if it couldn't pay its debts and just went under and all the banks foreclosed on all its properties. So all of, all of the clowns and the magicians and jugglers are going to take a short-term hit and maybe not get paid or maybe get paid a portion of what they're owned in the hopes that general growth will continue in the future and you'll be able to perform for them for many years down the road. Can I ask a question about Chapter 11 then? Uh, exactly how often do companies emerge well, better and stronger through this Chapter 11 reorganization? <laughs> That's a really hard question. I mean, I've never heard of one. Almost every airline has filed for bankruptcy and emerged and successfully. M- Mandy, you know, uh, you could also file for bankruptcy. Unfortunately, there's a limit on personal bankruptcies. Yeah. You can only do it once every seven years. So Mandy, I should point out, may actually get a vote in what happens. Jay Strock says she might get something in the mail with a bunch of heretofores and whereases in really small font. And that document will lay out some plan for restructuring, explaining what she would get. But, of course, it is not just her voting, her group, her class, as they call it, the unsecured creditors. The uh, the other the other classes also get a vote. The secured creditors in front of her, and the voting the voting is surprisingly complicated. I talked to Jay Westbrook. He's a professor at the University of Texas to see if I got it right. I'm not even sure I can say it properly. The voting is in each particular class. It has to be two thirds of the value of the amount owed of the people voting, and one half of the people in the class have to approve it. Yeah, let me try saying that again. Uh, in each class, uh, a majority of the of the creditors of the of the individuals holding claims of whatever size have to vote in favor, and those people who vote in favor have to represent at least two thirds of the total amount owed to that group. Oh, you said that much more clearly. <laughs> well, I teach this stuff. How did we end up with all these elaborate rules? <laughs> Essentially, all this started way back in the 19th century when railroads began to go bankrupt, and. Gee, it wasn't very practical to sell off all that track, was it? <laughs> so they said, look, let's see if we can't save this railroad rather than trying to liquidate it for essentially pennies. And that developed over a long period of time into the reorganization procedures that we have today, particularly in the 1930s and the Great Depression. Those rules started being elaborated and developed into this complicated system, which is, frankly, the model for the world. And all over the world now, people look at the Chapter 11 reorganization system as the model for reforming their bankruptcy laws. All right, so back to our clown, Mandy Dalton. What does this mean for her? Actually, the situation is not totally hopeless for her, not at all. Because if this were a liquidation where all the parts of the mall uh, the mall company gets sold off and the money gets used to try to pay the bills, Mandy would be so far back in line she probably wouldn't get anything. But this is a restructuring. They're trying to get out of bankruptcy. And if the company lives, there's an argument to be made that Mandy, because she's making a sacrifice here, should get a piece of that success. And Jay Strock says she might actually get some stock. So there's a chance that um, 
once general growth emerges from bankruptcy, uh, a portion of it will be owned by, by the clowns and the magicians. Clown gets stock. Woohoo! <laughs> well, the revenge of the clowns and the magicians on general growth property. It, sounds, it just sounds delicious, doesn't it? <laughs> and there is one final possibility, which is that because Mandy is owed so little money, 200 bucks, it's possible that they're just going to cut her a check because it's not really worth it at some point uh, to go into all the paperwork and try and verify her claim. So sometimes they create what's called a convenience class of clowns and the folks with her who water the plants at the mall or whatever, and they just pay those people what they're owed. And Mandy said, of course, that would be just fine with her. Okay. Well, we thank Mandy for helping us get into the complexities of bankruptcy through what sounds like was a really frustrating experience for her. You can read more stories from our listeners at our blog, npr.org slash money. I'm Hannah Joffrey-Walt. And I'm David Kestenbaum. Thank you for listening. <laughs>